You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nod of the Scribe. We got a mock draft to get to. The first official first round of the mock draft. We had been doing many lottery mock drafts. The first three that we did um, were just lottery inclusive. Now we're doing the big boy stuff. I imagine we're going to be doing, I don't know if it's going to be once a week, but I know we like pumping these things out because people love them. Some mock drafts (laughs) and Doug Branson is now a higher up. And so, you know, this had to be one of his ideas ever since I I, I'm sure that he immediately brought this idea up. Hey, maybe we should do a daily mock draft. All right, Doug, hold on, slow down. Maybe we just do a weekly mock draft. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do the mock draft. And so here we are. Yeah. No, this is exactly where we are. We have nothing but mock drafts. This is Locked On Mock Drafts. Oh, wait, no, there's already a, a podcast named that. But this is Locked On Hornets Mock Draft. Yeah, it is the Locked yeah. On Draft. Yeah, we already have this that. Is locked on, this is Locked On Hornets Mock Draft. This is what we are now. This is like We are going to be shameless draft people pretending that we know stuff that we don't really know because you never know how a person reacts to the environment until they're in the said environment. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to make educated guesses, Walker. That's what we're going to do. We're going to entertain these people with educated guesses on what we think the Hornets will do and how these players will thrive. And you've teased it already, my friend. Yeah, I have. I have teased it already. Well, and and here's just to tease some more things that are going on in the future with these mock drafts. I am going to try to draft somebody different and we're in kind of a selection process to where we can do that at 11. Like it it would be harder if we were up at say seven and there is clearly one of the better guys available there, right? The further you get back, the harder it is to just go random every single time, but we're at 11 and there's some worthy candidates. So we're going to try to do this differently, but I haven't been able to draft this guy yet, or at least I just haven't pulled the trigger on him, but I'm doing it here. We got the 11th pick. It's reality. We're no more doing the alternate universe here. Um, We're doing the exact lottery order that is going to hit once the NBA draft hits. And picking 11th, Nada, yeah, you're right. I did tease it. I went ahead and pulled the trigger on Zaire Williams. (laughs) He was available. I fully expect him to be available once draft night hits. And the first 10 picks played out like this. Detroit went Kate Cunningham. Houston went Evan Mobley. Cleveland went Jalen Green. Toronto went Jalen Suggs, Orlando went Jonathan Kaminga, Oklahoma City went Scotty Barnes, Golden State went Davion Mitchell at seven, Orlando went Moses Moody at eight, Sacramento went Franz Wagner at nine, New Orleans went Corey Kispert at 10. So 
those are the first 10 picks that allowed me to choose from a couple of different guys, but I was going to go with Zaire Williams this time, as long as he was available and there wasn't anybody that was surprising that lasted that long. So did some more, you know, did watch more film yesterday, right? I did before the podcast yesterday. I even watched some after, you know, I'm just kind of honing in just to see, all right, is this the guy that I really want? And, and I've talked to you about him a lot. I really like his game. Let's dive in a little bit to the numbers. Uh, they weren't good, as we've mentioned, right? He averaged 10.7 points per game. He did it on 37.4% shooting from the field. He didn't shoot well from three. It was 29.1% from beyond the arc. But he did shoot 79.6% from the yes. free throw line. He added 4.6 rebounds. He had a couple of assists. He averaged per game almost one steal, uh, just half a block per game. So the stocks category, not exactly the greatest for him either. But look, man, it's hilarious. Like, that's not exactly the ringing endorsement. But he only played 20 games. We've talked about some of the problems that are hard to figure out what is real about his struggles on the court and what affected him on the court because of the outside world, because of Stanford's schedule, because of two deaths in the family, COVID issues and things like that. How much did that affect him? But not I just I watch his game. I think he's got good vision. They ran a lot of back cuts, and I know that some of the open passes that he had are a design by an excellent game plan from their head coach, but he fireballs some of those passes right on the money on those cuts from the three-point line and further all the way to the basket. I think he's got a really good feel for when to pass in the pick-and-roll game. I think his handles are there enough for him to be able to create shot-wise. I think he settles for too many jumpers. There's no doubt about that, but I think the stroke is fine enough to where he's going to be able to hit at a high clip. I like the mechanics more. So he's got to fix some things. There's no doubt. I think a ton of people have to come in the league and fix some of their mechanics, make some tweaks here and there. But I think the, I think it's kind of mechanical. Like I I think it's one of those rare guys, at least for me, where he's a fluid athlete. He moves with grace. He kind of moves kind of fluidly, but it's almost a mechanical shot release, which I want. I want not very many moving parts in my shot release, and I kind of want that to look fluid mechanical, if that makes sense. It probably doesn't. I I just I I like the way that it looks for the most part. I, I, I think the shot selection was poor, and that's what contributed to the bad field goal percentage. And I think LaMelo is going to be able to open some things up. I think the NBA game is going to be able to open things up for him. I think Zaire is a high ceiling guy coming into Stanford as a five-star prospect that ran into some bad situations last year. And that's what held him back. I think he can thrive in the NBA. It's a high ceiling pick and, and I'm, I'm willing to take that you risk. Know, at uh, it's funny because I looked at Zaire a little bit last night. I've looked at him for a couple of days also. And the one question that I just keep coming back to is, where does he play? Because at 6'10", that's one of those guys that he's either going to need to fill out or develop his handle a lot more in this positionless scheme. And he's going to have to get stronger. Like if And of that, the, question, the other question I kind of have right now is, is this a guy that we see contributing from day one? And I'm not sure that that's one of those guys that I see doing that. He's probably a green. He's probably a candidate for Greensboro, which granted that's not a bad thing, especially to begin the year after having an incomplete season with COVID. And then with everything that happened to him, 
he's going to need some extra catching up. So he's going to have the full summer. He's going to probably start the year in Greensboro. I do like his gifts. I do like his gifts. But if we're going to talk thin, frail, and probably a 3-4, where there is a lot of guys playing the 3-4, and four, like that... It, it creates a bigger logjam, and that's the only thing that like really holds me back is when does he contribute? Because are uh, and are you going to see dividends within twelve to eighteen months with a guy like that? And that's the only thing I worry about. Well, I, I just think that there's I don't know if you can draft enough of those bodies. The, the body that Zaire has, if you're talking about you know somewhere six nine, six eight, six nine. And he's got a seven foot wingspan. I think it's officially listed at six eleven. I think he moves his feet pretty damn well defensively. I think he's got nice instincts defensively too. He can get caught ball watching. I don't think that's a motor issue. I think it's just him being a rookie, not you know, just forgetting about his guy and being too involved where the ball is and not remembering to stay between himself and the ball. I know team defending can take a little while for players to get picked, you know, can pick up once they get to the NBA, but it's not because he's not willing. And I don't think it's because he just can't get right. I think it's because he was a freshman that comes in and had only played 20 games and there's going to be some growing pains in those 20 games. And so I think defensively he can move his feet well enough to stay in front of some guards um, in front of a lot of guards and the wingspan can help him in that as well. I don't think the handle is as bad as, as what you were saying. I, I kind of like it. I actually somewhat contributed as a strength um, to Isaiah Williams coming into the league at that size. I, I just think when you have those types of guys, especially with the way that the Hornets have talked, wanting versatility, length, people that can, you know, go and switch through a couple of different positions. I think Zaire fits that bill. And one other thing I want to talk, I know I've talked a lot, but Zaire's my guy. This is just what I'm going to do. Um, I, I think the other thing about this as well is we, we talked about this on 7:30 the game. This is an organization that needs to grab as much talent as possible to keep LaMelo happy, right? When you ask, is this someone that can come in and help contribute day one? Maybe, probably not. It, he, there are other guys that you would feel more comfortable, like Corey Kispert. If he was available, he wasn't here, but there's a shot that he would be. So if Corey Kispert was available, you would think that he could come in and contribute day one, and he would help you a little more so, certainly out on the perimeter shooting. We all know his strengths. But is that going to be enough talent in the next two years to where, yeah, LaMelo is staying because you did nice things like add Corey Kispert, or do you take the hot, do you swing for the fences where Zaire Williams has potential to be better than what Corey Kispert is or somebody like that? And then you have a big time talent to keep LaMelo here. Like LaMelo's not staying for solid role players that help contribute day one, but have a very low ceiling. And if you grab somebody and you take a chance on those guys that do have a high ceiling and they come to fruition, then you make the stars that you have in place happy. Plus, you can get away with that a little bit with PJ and Miles having some nice role playing to their game already. And maybe they take steps up again next season. Maybe miles shows more consistency as a big time player and PJ Washington shows more consistency, just period. So I look, you have to draft talent, big time talent to keep these stars in place, drafting role players. Cause you're scared. You're going to bust it and going to do that and, down and the line. You know what? I agree with you. Uh, here's the funny thing. 
I agree with you on 99.999% of all that. Do you, do you want <laughs> to know where I disagree with you? I think Let's there's a guy it. with a higher ceiling. And we'll talk about it on the other side. All right. Okay. You just did that. You just dropped a cliffhanger. I like it. And it was time to go anyway. But hey, it's the draft profile. We got to talk a little bit about what's going on with my boy Zaire Williams. We draft him 11th overall. We'll talk more mock draft in just a moment. But first, got to talk to you about Built Bar. Uh, everybody has their favorite flavor. Mine are often the limited time flavors that are released. Plus there's plenty of staples too. nine staples, coconut, coconut, almond. You can go down to the peanut butter brownie, the double chocolate, and they're high in fiber. They're high in protein. They're low in sugar and they're low in calories. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. More mock draft coverage here on the locked on podcast network. This is Locked on Hornets. And I was cutting a rug in that place, not a Funkmaster Flex. Shout out so, to him. Again, Walker, how old are you again? Uh, I am 28 years old. <laughs> I didn't know a person under 35 used cutting a rug anymore. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, too. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. All right, Nada, you teased us. You said that there's somebody else that was available here or somebody that might be in that range that has a higher ceiling. Just kind of your Zaire right now. Who is that guy to you, Nada? I know I kind of track him and saying he's not ready this that and the third i'm starting to come back to kai jones on this <laughs> no, Yo. no. you yes, did I just did. trash him yes, I did. you did you did did you just go back into your trash bin on your macbook click and drag him back to your desktop and say you know what this is an essential this is file actually an essential file and hey we all do this we do this with audio files sometimes where we accidentally delete stuff right walker and yes we-, we do delete stuff yes. and um it is not by on purpose though and so if you want to say this is a mistake that's fine if you want to bring kai jones out of the trash this, this bin. was a happy this this is a happy mistake that i this is a unfortunate mistake that i've made because I keep going back to the film on this kid. He runs the floor like a deer. He has hit three po- he hit three pointers at a 38% clip last season. He also is 6'11. He's going to fill out and oh yeah, he run he plays the pick and roll two different ways. He can be a big that you funnel guys to for the block, which is something that we know James Brago loves. He's also the kind of guy that can play the pick and roll and switch and be another switchy defender. I'm coming back to Kai Jones. Like, I didn't think I was going to be on this coming back to Kai Jones thing. Trust me. I'm, I'm very, 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 very disappointed in myself. But for what he does, for everything he does, he's the, he, again, and if we're going to talk about a guy that's not going to con- expect it to contribute this year, and you're swinging the fences for talent. The kind of guy that Kai Jones can be is probably a bigger, like, sw- like if you hit on that, 
that does change the ceiling, especially if you're not expect, if especially if you're going to load up on veteran centers as is going. Yeah, I, I Kai Jones for me, I, I I'm, I'm a little further out on him. You know, when you talk about the three point percentage, it was basically one a game, but at 38 percent, that is nice. The free throw percentage is 68, so that's okay. Uh, you're looking at about one block per game for Kai Jones, which isn't the end all be all for rim protection, but uh, it's only just the the one block for somebody that is listed at six eleven. I would think that there would be a little bit more. I wonder if this is someone that does is able to pick it up as far as team defense, right? Like, I wonder if Kai Jones is somebody that does have the does have the ability to start to read defense because I think he's still very, very far behind in that regard. Yes, he is very raw. No, he's absolutely raw. Like, you have to understand with Kai Jones going into this, you do not expect any sort of contributions in the first year, which makes signing got signing bigs and everything else like that a little bit more imperative. Yeah. So and he was, I, go I, ahead. Not I like the thing is people are going to, people are going to ask what happened to book night. I don't think book night's going to be there. I think book night's probably gone at set again from seven to 10. I think he'll have enough, enough workouts to where he's going to be gone. I again, Sangoon, if he turns out to be closer to 6'10, would probably be my other guy. But if you're going to be talking about developmental guy that that can fit the window and be like the kind of guy that absolutely fits, but you're going to have to teach everything too. I mean, it's Kai Jones, and I'm not sure it's close. The only thing is, he was a six man, so his minutes were limited. He didn't start at Texas. That is a problem, and I'll be the first to admit that is a problem. So you're going to have to get this guy in regular rotation NBA minutes, and he's going to have to learn on the fly, most likely in Greensboro. But if all things are equal and whomever is drafted is going to be in Greensboro, I'm not sure it's not Kai Jones that you pick. Yeah, Kai Jones was the very next pick here. So if you were to look at in this mock draft, who else went? So we picked Zaire 11, San Antonio went Kai Jones 12, Indiana went with your old boy, James Booknight at 13, Golden State went with Keon Johnson at 14, and that was the lottery. Other notable picks, Josh Giddy went at 16, Memphis got Jalen Johnson, which is another interesting prospect. We'll probably profile at some point. Isaiah Jackson went 18. Um, another interesting one, Usman Garuba, who's going to be in consideration there for Charlotte. He went 23 to Houston. And uh, you mentioned Alperen Sangoon. Hadn't been taken yet. Yeah, which is nuts. I mean, so we're we're basic. We've got three more picks left to go in the first round. Philadelphia, Phoenix, Utah. They have not made their selections. And Sangoon has not gone yet. JT Thor went to Denver. He's the guy that's kind of rising up draft boards right now big guy out of Auburn. So JT Thor is somebody to kind of look out for at, at this moment. Um, but yeah, Sangoon just hadn't been picked yet. So I think it's the lack of athleticism that scares you. I think I, I you if he is more closely six, nine, six, eight, and his wingspan isn't all that long either, which some of the measurements are, are coming in and report like the measurements are kind of, you know, all over Not, the place for him. Exactly. Um, 
I mean, maybe all over the place in the right word, but there's just been a couple of listed, right? And yeah. so like if it's on the shorter end, that's a huge problem because if you think of small ball centers, the reason the small ball centers work are guys that are like six, eight or shorter. The reason they work is because they're athletic as hell. You know, if, if, if those small guys are actually contributing on a positive five that, you know, result in, in they're playing the center, it's because they're able to switch. They're able to protect the rim because they get out of the floor pretty fast. They're able to grab rebounds because they can jump up high enough to make up for the three inch height difference that they're going against with these bigger guys. Sangoon ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, so offensively, he may be very skilled and he is. I mean, he is an awesome passer that that guy can find. He can throw the needle man yeah, but is the defense worth it is he going to get played off the floor and i think there's a real risk of that happening so um yeah I, well, I'm, with, I'm with you on that like the the mm-hmm. thing is like sangoon is one of those guys that he's got to be he he to, for me he has to be six nine six ten and for those that are wondering why does it matter we're talking about what because if that's going to be the case what's the difference between having him and pj washington a guy that we already know is already established well and and the thing is people keep trying to do this euro slow white guy nikola Jokic comparison i mean yes sangoon is a little heavier and he is an excellent passer and he's very skilled down low that's where it ends and and nikola provides other things that really matter like a lot more height and a shooting ability you know sangoon ain't taking threes so, so Nikola Jokic is the guy that's shooting very well from three. That's a huge difference. And Nikola is more skilled than Sangoon is. Like, I, I just, that, that is a big old reach to say, yeah, he's Nikola Jokic. You see him pass out of the post and that's where people are going. He's European and he's white, but man, that's kind of, I, you, you can't compare him to Jokic right now. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can compare him to Jokic. Like the best comparison that you might have might be dollar general kevin love and i mean like minnesota kevin love the one that was grabbing all them boards and scoring all them points like that may be your best that may be your best one but even then i'm not sure i go and dip in dip my toe into the water for that if he's really six eight i'm sorry like there after after at a certain point you can't keep collecting fours like i'm sorry it just doesn't happen like that so um, I, I, again, Sangoon is interesting. Kai Jones is the guy, but uh, like literally I'm, I'm more with you than I think, than you think I am because literally if it's not going to be Kai Jones, I'd prefer it to be Zaire Williams because I would much rather most like most likely the guy that you're drafting at 11 isn't helping you this year anyway. So if you're going to swing, take a swing on talent, put him in Greensboro and if he plays his way out of Greensboro and onto the rotation, that's awesome. That's great. But most likely, the person that you're drafting at 11 isn't helping you like that. So it's best to get the best possible prospect two, three years down the line. Yeah, well, we, uh, we can talk maybe a little bit more about that. And some interesting news about a player who was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and somebody you probably haven't thought about it in a while. We'll get to that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I said, oh, oh, hell yeah. Just giving that confirmation of how awesome this is going to be. You tweeted at me. You're going to be singing the chorus to Billy Jean if you ain't careful. <laughs> and again, I point to the lie. Yes, I you're well, yeah, you're right. This goes back to our first conversation. There's a yes, lot of babies does. being exactly. had out there. Goodness gracious. <laughs> exactly. Unexpected ones. Point ones to that the were- lie. 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Before we talk more Hornets, let's get to some NBA playoff action after we saw the Clippers take care of game three against the Phoenix Suns. The coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Thanks again to Michelob Ultra for sponsoring the NBA playoffs coverage, making that experience a little more enjoyable. So Clippers, nada, they beat the Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul, Devin Booker really struggled from the field. Everybody struggled from the field for Phoenix. I think they shot 50% in the first two games and they did not uh, shoot 40% in this game three against LA. Huge bounce back game for Paul George, who didn't shoot great from the field either, but came up with big moments, had that half court shot at the end of the third that provided a big boost for them heading into the final period of action. What do you think happens the rest of the way with this series between L.A. and Phoenix? Is it like going five or six still Suns way or do you think the Clippers are actually going to provide uh, enough resistance to where it goes seven or maybe they even win? I think we get six. I think we get six games. Ty Lue is going to give us is going is good enough to give us six games. But I just don't see how you make up the difference between Aiton and Zubac and whoever the centers are for. Like when you're throwing out what's left of and and it's not much of Demarcus Cousins, you're not being a serious team in terms of trying to win. I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen. It can't happen like that. So therefore, if we're going to do that, then we're just going to have it like. There's a part of me that really does believe that, unfortunately, this series is over. Congrats on Ty Lue for getting a couple of games. But for the most part, I just don't see a way that. Yeah, Um, I I think it probably I I went Phoenix and five at the beginning of this series. And this win last night could alter you, I, I would say still go Phoenix in five. I think Chris Paul needed a get right game. Maybe Devin Booker needed a game to get used to playing with the mask. That nose was so swollen, man. Um, Isn't it hilarious, by the way, that he called Rip Hamilton to get advice on how to play with that? I mean, has there been... Uh, No, it is. It's just hilarious. Rip Hamilton will forever be known as the basketball player with the mask. Yeah, no, like literally, Rip Hamilton thrived with the mask for years. And it became his identity. And you know what? That's kind of awesome when you think about it because it helped him become this great mid-range shooter, helped get him, get his face involved in defense. And became like it unlocked that mask unlocked him. And again, it's really, really cool. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's damn close, though. But it's kind of awesome. And also, one thing about the series, um, I do worry that slowing the pace down with Chris Paul is playing right into the Clippers' hands. And that's the only way that this changes. Like, they're just gonna have to keep the keep it up tempo. And if Chris can't hang on, Chris can't Chris can't hang. Then yo, this is gonna sound crazy, but start Cam and then let Chris come off the bench and do his thing with the bench guys. I think you'll be just fine. But the pet pace needs to be like seriously taken up a notch or two because I don't think with the way the Clippers play that they can handle up tempo. That does sound crazy. Not starting Chris Paul. You were right about that. That does sound crazy. All right, let's move on to a tweet uh, that interests the Charlotte Hornets from Kema De Lucas. Never heard of that guy, but he had a Hornets tweet. He said, Arnoldus Kubolka is heading to Bill Bow exit. 
two-way contract with Charlotte Hornets among his options. Uh, he and A. Stroggy Lackis, goodness gracious, these handles, uh, and, and me have learned more info on EuroHoops.net. Uh, so if you want to go find some more. Um, but Arnaldus Kuboka, he's uh, exiting the team, right? So maybe he could go play with the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe he finally comes over. This is somebody the last few years player or people on Twitter would always just kind of throw out a feeler every once in a while. Hey, whatever happened to Kubolka? Is this the year that he finally comes over? What's going to happen with him? He did have one really good summer league game where he looked pretty nice, you know, shooting the basketball. And I think that intrigued a lot of guys, but again, just as always played over in Europe, um, you know, are, are you interested Nada, like in, in, in him coming over and, and seeing what like, do you think like there's an actual shot, especially with, as you mentioned, yeah. the kind of log jam that you have at, at the four spot a little bit right now? Nah, nah, nah. I don't think I, I, I like he's got in order to get any sort of rotation minutes in Charlotte, not Greensboro, any sort of rotation minutes. He's going to have to beat out Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington and Jalen McDaniels. Two of those are almost impossible unless he dramatically improved his talent level since since the last time we saw him. And judging the fact by the fact that his Bill Bow contract is over, I'm not so sure that's the case. And then if Jalen McDaniels just cuts down on the turnovers, I don't see how he's beating him either. So at best case, you're talking about ser- uh, serious minutes in Greensboro which may or may not last a year. So I, I, I don't know. I don't feel confident about him. Walker, the best way I would put it is, like, you know how there were rumors for years that there would be this Nas and Primo album, that DJ Premier album, that would always come out. Like, oh, we're getting this. We're working together. We're in the lab. And it would never come out. Arnoldus Kubolka is the same thing. He's never coming over here because it doesn't make sense for a whole bunch of reasons. Yeah, I, I mean, this being 6'10", having the shooting touch to go from three, I mean, it is interesting, but I haven't watched him a ton uh, over in Europe. I've just seen him really with the summer league, but uh, I think two years, I think he was averaging like eight and a half points, three and a half rebounds per game. Some of the, you know, the counting stats are somewhat misleading when you're talking about Europe stats and how they might transition to the NBA game. But yeah, we'll see what happens with Arnoldus Kuboka if he were to come over to the Charlotte Hornets and uh, what kind of opportunities that he would have. That'll do it for this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Thanks to you guys for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA or Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday.